Well, today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and as we talk about this, who's on the throne right now? Ashley? Christ. Okay. We are right now. Oh, oh no. If we are on the throne, then Christ needs to get on the throne. Otherwise, everything we're going to talk about is useless. Well, I mean, probably what we talk about isn't useless, but it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, the result of this afternoon will be useless, okay? So anyway, we want to talk about spiritual gifts, and this is a topic that there are a lot of extremes on, and what I want to do today is talk about the center, and what I think is the biblical perspective on the gifts. It's not, it's not something that's hard to see in Scripture. I think almost any time, and you guys should be aware of this, when you start getting extremes on any issue, usually the extremes are wrong, <laughs> and other, unless it's sin and salvation, right? As an extreme, it's probably not right to be on some far end of the spectrum as far as Christian theology. But there are exceptions, so that shouldn't just be a rule. I think if, if you see something that's an extreme, you should evaluate it and see whether or not it needs to be that way. On this issue, there is a biblical perspective in the middle that is firm, and you can't miss it if you search out Scripture. That's what I think I want to go after today. And the reason we're talking about the gifts in a leadership class like this is that each of you have gifts, talents, and different abilities that God has given you that he hasn't given the rest of us, right? And maybe two of us or three of us in this room might have the number one same gift, like the same number one gift, but our second, third, fourth, whatever might be different. God has uniquely wired you to serve him and to lead. Even if your major gift isn't leadership, and we'll talk about some of these different gifts, even if that's not your major gift, you're still called to lead by example and to lead in many different ways in ministry for the rest of your life. And like we've said before, a lot of you have taken steps that a whole lot of Christians haven't. You've shared your faith, you've done discipleship, you've led Bible studies, you've prepared and organized retreats, you've done talks, you've et cetera, et cetera. You've done a lot that a lot of people haven't, and you're going to be able to lead by example in those areas. So even if your number one gift, and we're going to finish today with a gift survey, even if your gift isn't leadership per se, whatever you are gifted in, you're going to lead in that area. Does that make sense? Right? So wherever you're gifted, I believe you guys are leaders, and you're going to be leading in those areas. And I think the goal of what we're doing today is to help you find out how God has wired you to lead. Because we're all kind of made differently, we're all unique, and God has a purpose for each of our lives, and he wants us to lead the way that he made us to be individually. He doesn't want Ashley to try and be Nate. Have you ever done that, compared to yourself with somebody you wish you were like? Right? That's a big trap. Don't ever do that. You might be very different than another person. That's okay. God made you that way. And you're going to reach per people that other person couldn't. Okay? So the goal today is to help you understand the idea of the gifts from Scripture. <clears throat> and then from there to be able to understand how God has gifted you to lead in ministry and in life, right? So, so many good gifts come from God. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, even 10 after that, talks about how salvation and the purpose God has for us are a gift from him, right? So the first major gift you receive as a believer is your salvation, right? Ephesians 1, 3 says that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Sometimes spiritual blessings are different than physical blessings, Right? I might not recognize a spiritual blessing. Maybe sometimes something that's physically hard produces a spiritual blessing. But it's a promise that can't be overturned. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. So pop quiz, Heather. Which spiritual blessings do you not have? Mm 
big zero, right? And he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Isn't that cool? James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Right? So he gives us good gifts. Not just the ones we're talking about today, but a free house maybe. Maybe not for all of us, but God gave Stephanie a free house. That's pretty sweet. Right? On that note, Matthew 6 says, Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So keep your perspective on his kingdom, not what you can get. That's a good perspective for the rest of the day. Matthew 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Right? So God is really giving us good gifts. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So he is giving us good gifts, not bad gifts. And he's giving you exactly what you need, right? Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right, from those that follow him, right? Nothing good does he withhold from you, right? He desires to bless you. So all gifts, including spiritual gifts, come from him. Now here's the perspective, though. Sometimes as we think about our gifts, it's easy to think, I am so great because I have this gift or that gift or whatever gift, right? What we need to remember is 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says that we're foolish things, guys, that we're not. We don't have anything to brag about. We don't have anything to give. God does not need us. He gives us gifts for his purposes alone. And even if I ceased to exist this very moment, it would not hurt God. Does that make sense? I'm not his greatest gift to human beings. But he's going to give me gifts as I seek to serve him with those, right? Romans 12.3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. So the big point today is no matter what your gift is, don't puff yourself up about that gift, thinking that you're something special because you have a certain gift that maybe other people don't have. However God wired you to be is awesome. Praise God. You're no better than your brothers and sisters. All right? Okay, now an important note. We're going to talk about the gifts today. This is not a comprehensive list. This is not all of them. There are gifts, even referred to in Scripture, that are not mentioned in any of the three main gift passages. Those passages are Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. I think it's Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians. It's on the back of your notes, actually. Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 8 through 10, and then Ephesians 4, 11. Is that right? Okay, good deal. Um, so there are gifts that are not mentioned in those lists that are mentioned elsewhere. For example, 1 Corinthians 7, 7 talks about the gift of singleness. All right, good way to know if that's your gift is if you want it or not. <laughs> I feel like if you desire to be married, that passage is pretty clear that your gift probably isn't singleness, right? But anyway, that is a gift, and when Paul uses the word gift in verse 7 there, he actually uses the word charisma that's used in chapter 12 to discuss spiritual gifts, right? Does that make sense? And so the, the passages the, in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 that talk about the gifts are not it. That's not the, it's not a comprehensive list, and if it's not in there, it's nowhere. And that's probably why each of those lists differs from each other a little bit. Does that make sense? Each one of those has gifts that the others don't and lacks gifts that the other ones do. They're all like that. Uh, I know that they each have different numbers, too. I think 1 Corinthians 12 has uh, maybe 10 or 12 gifts. Ephesians 4 has 5. Right, And so the point here isn't that we're going to figure out every single gift that God gives as, gives as far as spiritual gifts. 
but rather that we're going to get a picture of some of the major gifts and how God has wired us to serve him in ministry. Okay, so what are the spiritual gifts? Specific gifts are given to different believers, which when used together, enable us to be the body of Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission. We're supposed to be a team. Only Jesus has all the gifts. And when he walked on this earth, he was the only human in history that exhibited all those gifts in one person. No matter how hard you try, you will never excel at all the gifts, I promise. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be good or better where you're weak. I never come up very high on mercy when I do spiritual gift surveys. That doesn't mean I should just say, whatever, I'm going to be unmerciful. I'm going to be a tyrant. I'm going to be mean to people. No, I want to strive to be more merciful. But what is so exciting is there are people like Stephanie, there are people like uh, Samantha, who's usually here, that excel in mercy, maybe, right? And those people, plus people like me and people like you and all of us together, can be the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So we're not supposed to excel in all of them as any one individual, but together we will, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that we must work together as a body to glorify him and show him to the world. Actually, he says whatever we do should be done to glorify him, right? But in this context, we do it together as a body. So the perspective that's important here is John 13.35. Remember, Jesus said the world will know who we are because of our love for each other. In unity and in love, we will reflect the whole perspective of who Jesus is to the rest of the world. And that was Jesus' prayer in John 17. It's extremely important to remember that context of unity and love. I'll get into it more in just a minute here, but this is extremely important, and it's been forgotten in this debate, quote-unquote, a lot of times. There are gifts which are controversial. In different ways. There are gifts that scripture does not clearly define. What's a word of wisdom? What's a word of knowledge? Right? Uh, different people might have different perspectives, but things like that are not clearly defined in scripture, nor are they mentioned more than once. So my definition of that gift might be different than yours. Okay? There are other gifts that have caused a lot of division in the body of Christ because of different perspectives on what those are. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians 12, it's this big discussion of the gifts, Chapter 14 continues. What's right in the middle of those two? You guys remember? Love chapter, right? God's perspective in this, like we've just said, is love and unity, not division. When you see division, it is always Satan, right? Well, unless it's based on truth, right? If I come to campus and I say, Jesus is not the only way, and you guys say, Nate, that's wrong. Okay, there, there might be a place for division like that. But when you, say, when you see believers that love God, that are based on his word, being divided over a side issue, that's not godly, right? That's wrong. Scripture tells us to reject a divisive man. Okay? And so the perspective here is that we don't ever want to become divisive, especially about this issue, nor do we want to entertain division. We really want to keep the main perspective, which Christ has told us from the start is love and unity in a common purpose of loving him and sharing him with the world. We always quote Howard Hendricks, who said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? That's our perspective. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. So we need to have the right perspective. Do you remember every single passage that we're going to discuss today? 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, the beginning of those chapters actually the first verses of those chapters, 
all talk about avoiding idolatry and worldliness and worshiping God, walking in humility. Isn't that interesting? They all talk about some of these key things. Um, not making the gift bigger than the gift giver. Not getting proud and conceited about the gift we have. Right? But walking and using those gifts in worship and in service to God. Okay? So overemphasis on any of these gifts is idolatry, plain and simple. It's glorifying the gift over God. And an underemphasis, this is important, if you completely pretend like these spiritual gifts don't exist, I'm talking about them collectively, that's, um, that's, an, that's bearing your talent, right? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25 about bearing your talent? Not good stuff, right? So we don't want to overemphasize or underemphasize the gifts, but we want to worship God with the gifts that he's given us. And worship, do you remember what worship is? Living for God's purposes, basically, it's a real simple way to, to explain it. Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2? says that it's living, a living sacrifice for God. That's your spiritual act of worship. In other words, I'm saying no to myself, and I'm saying yes to God, and instead of living for myself, I'm living for God every day. That's worship. Now, the way I worship God with the spiritual gifts he's given me is by accomplishing the purpose that he's called me and the body of Christ too. What is that main purpose that he's called us to? Great. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. I call that the third greatest commandment. And I think that scripturally you could make that case very strongly. First commandment, love God. Second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Third commandment would be go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, which interestingly is also a way to fulfill the first and second commandment. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commands. So when I fulfill the great commission, when I do it, I'm obeying his command and loving him. And when I do it, I'm obeying his command to love my neighbor as myself because I'm realizing that if they don't know Christ, I'm going to love them by sharing the good news with them. And if they do know Christ, I'm going to love them by helping them grow in their faith. Does that make sense? So this is a key thing for us to focus on. And the way as a body that we fulfill the Great Commission is by each serving in our capacity. Scripture is clear on that, right? Megan. All right, could somebody get Megan some, some one of these? Okay, Jack's got it. All right. So something that's important to also mention in these passages about the gifts in Romans 12, 11, the gifts are not the source of your joy or your passion in life or ministry. Right? Serving God creates spiritual fervor and zeal. Isn't that an interesting note, Romans 12, 11? It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So as I serve God, right, I'm going to have a lot of joy with him. If you're, if you're lacking joy, it's not because you don't have the right thing from God. He's given you every spiritual blessing, remember? So if you're lacking joy, it's time to start using that gift rather than hoping that he'll give you a new one. Does that make sense? Ravi Zacharias says that your calling must come before your gifting, and that has to be the case. If we get that switched around, we're going to become proud and useless for God if we start thinking the gift is bigger than the calling. But once you're burning with passion for the calling that God's called you to, those gifts will just become tools to achieve that calling. So each passage then describes the context for the gifts, which is being committed to the body of Christ, using your gifts and talents to build his body. So we talked about the beginning of those passages, which talked about um, humility and not putting those above the gift giver. And then the next part, all of these passages, Romans 12, verses 12 through 31, Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, Romans 12, 4 through 5, and Ephesians 4 through 6 
Tell us to maintain unity and peace in the body and to be committed to the body, serving the body with all that God has given us. Does that make sense? Again, this perspective of love, right? So notes on the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 describes the body working together as one. You can read that later if you like. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. And it talks about what happens when each of the members of the body are working together as one. That's the focus. Unity and love together accomplishing what he has called us to. So each passage talks about not making the gift bigger than the gift giver, but rather walking in humility. Each passage then goes on to talk about love and unity in the body, with each of us working together for the common purpose, not for our own deal. Then each passage goes on to mention different gifts for different members. Here's a summary of all the gifts that are mentioned in those three main passages. Okay, Again, this is not comprehensive. It's not all the gifts that God gives, but it's the ones that are mentioned in those three passages. Apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, leading. Leading would include administration, pastoring, and shepherding. Teaching, wisdom, knowledge, faith, serving, encouraging, giving, mercy, discernment, healing, miraculous powers, uh, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the gifts that are listed in Scripture. Again, a few of those have been gifts that, I'm not going to say the gifts have caused division, because the gifts are from God, so they don't cause division. But different interpretations by sinful people have resulted in the body of Christ dividing itself over certain gifts. Again, the context is love and unity. We should never divide ourselves over those gifts. Those gifts, no matter how strongly I feel pro or con about one of them or two of them or a handful of them, are not worth dividing the body of Christ. They're not worth distracting from the goal of winning this world to him. Does that make sense? Those gifts are all there, however, right? They're not all for everyone. We're not, there's not a single gift in any of those lists that everyone will get. And Paul is very clear about that, right? In Romans 12, 6, it tells us that we have different gifts and that not all of us have any of those gifts, right? 1 Corinthians 12, literally, Paul asks rhetorically, to one is this, or Paul says, to one is given this, to another something different, right? Uh, and then continues saying that we are each members of one body with different gifts. Paul continues being rhetorical there, saying, does everybody have this? Does everybody have that? Does everybody have this other gift? With the obvious answer being, and you mentioned this the other night at our house, no, not everybody has the same gifts, which is important because that way we have to function as a body. Does that make sense? And there are entire denominations whose statements of faith say that everybody has to get this gift or that gift, which according to scripture is not the case. So if anybody ever tries to judge you because you don't have a gift that they have, you're okay. You can trust the Holy Spirit in you to give you the gifts that he wants you to have. And that's good enough, right? Okay, now out of that list, and I think it's important to mention this, but only briefly, there are only two or three that are controversial. Okay, there are not a lot that are controversial. There are not a lot that divide the body. Again, the gifts don't divide the body, but we as sinful human beings with our own proud perspectives divide the body, right? But there are only a few... That, that the body gets divided over, and this is important for us to realize. Those few gifts are mentioned in less than one half of the New Testament. It's rare that those gifts are mentioned. And in fact, entire books, this is interesting. Um, Jesus rarely discussed those gifts. That's kind of an indicator. Um, Paul 
avoided discussing them in 10 out of 13 of his books. Okay? And the ones he discussed them in, predominantly, in fact, one of the passages that we're talking about, it was a criticism of that body for not using those gifts correctly. He was not encouraging them to use them more, but rather discouraging the way that they had been abused. And I'll, I'll get somewhere with this, right? Um, the writer of Hebrews did not discuss these gifts. James did not discuss them. Peter did not discuss them. John did not discuss them. So I think if you look at the New Testament, percentage-wise, author-wise, they're not a major part of the New Testament, the controversial gifts, okay? A gift like evangelism is on virtually every page, okay? But here's what's important. Those controversial gifts, quote-unquote, are in Scripture. Does it matter how much they're in Scripture? No, right? I mean, Scripture is Scripture. It's God's Word. I think a safe approach for any of us is to give anything in our Christian walk about the same emphasis God himself gives it in his word. Does that make sense to you? Right? If something is not a major theme in God's word, it should not be a major theme in my life. <laughs> Probably, you know? Because I should seek to have similar passions as Christ himself. But, again, I should not overemphasize or underemphasize the gifts, and I should not ignore the gifts that are there, regardless of how controversial they are. You have freedom to decide for yourself what you think about these gifts. Philippians 3, verses 14 through 16, talks about that. It says that in the body, we're going to have different opinions. And Paul trusted God with the different opinions that Christians would have when he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3. Our encouragement to you is go only to Scripture and see for yourself about those different gifts. And then finally, don't make them a bigger issue than Scripture makes them, right? Okay, so in addition to the gifts that God gives you, he will also give you talents. You might be talented in various different ways that go outside of these spiritual gifts, quote-unquote. Okay, each passage then concludes with the context of loving each other. Again, we've talked about the unity. We've talked about not being divided. We've talked about being a body together and functioning together as a team for one purpose. Each one of those passages then concludes saying if I, well, here's an example from 1 Corinthians 12. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Um, Paul is saying, without love, none of this matters at all. Right? That is the underlying foundation for each of us walking in the gifts that God has called us to. Love surpasses all of it, guys. All right, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 summarizes this whole thing in the correct context well, saying this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Our hospitality to one another, um, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so no matter what gift you have, you should follow God in obedience with that gift, using it for the great perspective of knowing him and sharing him with, other, with others, but then keeping a humble perspective about your gift, and then using that gift in a context of love and not 
over or underemphasizing it, not dividing the body over it, right? So give, encourage, serve, share, and show hospitality, even if that's not your gift, right? Do all better. <laughs> Try to excel in the gifts. Try to excel in every area. If your gift is not evangelism, don't quit sharing. Do everything you can to get better at sharing. But thank God that maybe somebody else has that gift, right? The only thing that counts, Galatians 5 says, is faith expressing itself through love. That's the main point. Okay, five minutes. There's a lot to go over in five more minutes. We have to go through this fast. Okay, so discovering your talents and gifts. You are unique. There are no cookie-cutter Christians. Each one of you are totally unique, right? Uh, The different gifts that you have should be stirred up, Scripture says. In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gifts that you have. In other words, don't bury your talent, but use those gifts and then excel in them. He continues telling Timothy, let your progress be evident to all. Okay, so we should be developing the gifts that God gives us, not letting them stay stagnant. This is important to remember. God gives you the gifts that you have. You don't have to do anything to get those gifts. You guys, you guys got this clear? You don't have to do anything to, to tweak God to get him to give you these gifts. The Holy Spirit alone, the second you put your trust in God, he is developing those gifts in your life. Okay? Scripture tells us in Romans 12, 11, that the gifts of God are without repentance. Okay, the word repentance there literally means a change of mind in the Greek. It's important anywhere you see that word repent or repentance. It doesn't mean to change your actions, but rather to change your thinking, because your thinking precedes your actions. It's important. But literally what that is telling us is God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't go, Heather, I'm going to make you an evangelist, and then say, oh, wait, no, you're not that good at that. I'm going to switch my mind and change it. Uh, whatever he gifted you in, he's not changing his mind. So now the impetus is on you to stir it up because you're, you're going to have it till you die, okay? So you need to use it. The other thing, too, is you don't know where you're gifted until you're using whatever gifts you can or at least attempting to be obedient to God with all these gifts. Does that make sense? You're not going to know if your gift is evangelism until you start sharing your faith and seeing, right? Only 1% of Christians think their gift is evangelism. I promise you, the God of the universe gifted more believers than 1% with that gift. I guarantee it. But a lot of people never discover that they're gifted with a gift because they never attempt that gift. They never, they're never obedient to Scripture in those areas. Scripture tells us to share regardless of our gifting. And if I'm being disobedient to that command in Scripture, I might never find out I'm gifted with evangelism. Or maybe teaching. Right? Or maybe encouraging. In a lot of these areas, I need to stir those up by being obedient to God's word, right? And I I need to have the right perspective in all of it. Okay, discover them within the context of the body of Christ and your purpose as his child. Apply these in the power of the Holy Spirit, not just trying harder. Each one of us, by faith, allowing him to live his life through us, Galatians 2.20, right? As we are intentionally filled with the Spirit, he will enable us through his power to use the gifts that he's given us for his glory. Does that make sense? Right? So, we're going to do this survey in a minute. But before we get there, there are a few more things that I want to discuss in the next three or so minutes. I hope this is a good little intro, though. Oh, I wish I had three or four hours to go through this. Okay, every gift has corresponding weaknesses. Isn't that interesting? Somebody that's gifted with prophecy, and you'll see on the back we have a description of some of these gifts. 
The predominant usage of prophecy in Scripture is not foretelling the future. Can God do that? You bet God can do that, right? He did it in Scripture a lot, and I am convinced that you will see things that resemble that in your lives, not to be um, denominational, but you'll probably see times where God uh, gives you real clear, clear perspective about something, okay? And um, just trust him. Don't make that a big deal, but trust him and keep your eyes on him and, and let him lead you according to his word. Does that make sense? Okay. The bottom line, though, is somebody that has this gift of prophecy, scripturally, that gift is predominantly calling believers back to God's truth. Does that make sense? That's the predominant use of that gift. Look at somebody like Jeremiah in the Old Testament, who's begging believers to come back to the truth of God's word. It wasn't so much that he was telling the future, but rather, time after time after time, he's begging people, come back to God. And even when those Old Testament prophets were foretelling the future, it was always in reference to coming back to God, right? Come back to God or else this catastrophe is going to happen. God's going to punish you. And you're not going to like it. (laughs) So come back to God, please. Okay, that is kind of what a prophet is all about. What's the corresponding weakness to that gift, do you think, of prophecy? Well, no, mercy would be like kind of like the opposite strength. Yeah. But what would be the weakness to the to the gift of prophecy? You come across without mercy. Yeah. You come across as a jerk, right? You're going to be the critical person. You know, uh, this is one of my gifts. It's always, in every survey I do, one of my top three gifts. And I, my biggest sin, being honest with you, my biggest personal sin is being critical. I could be critical with anyone, anytime, anywhere, anything. And I have to constantly give it to God. The other day we were at Walmart and this lady stops at the stop sign. She probably only stopped for like 15 seconds. She was an older lady. And I just blurted out in the car. I mean, Aaron's there, Eliana and the girls are in the back. I'm like, come on, you know, you should have written your grocery list out before you got to the stop sign. And Aaron's like, Nate, she's not taking enough time to write out a grocery list. (laughs) You just need to be patient. But it took me all of about a tenth of a second to be critical of this lady. You know what I mean? Because she was obeying the law. <laughs> and I was in a hurry. All right? I can get critical really fast. That's the negative side of that one gift. Right? Does that make sense? I need to trust God with that. Okay? So sometimes those negative aspects of your gift, um, because you're gifted in a certain way, you're going to have those more than other people will. And I think that you need to trust God to, to help you not be that way. Right? Okay. So watch for those weaknesses and then humbly allow God to to change those. And then you guys have a good attitude when people point them out because you a lot of times can't see them. And when I was first on staff, one of my gifts is leadership. I was really like, blaze ahead, go ahead, go ahead, you know. And I didn't even know this, but Russ comes to me like my third year on staff. He says, Nate, you might not know this, but he goes, a lot of people that are in leadership have this problem. I'm like, what is it? He goes, none of them notice it. And he goes, I used to be this way. I said, what is it? He goes, you're so focused on the goal that you just run over people and you just crush people on the ground and you don't even notice it, but they feel like they just got blown out of the water, <laughs> you know? And Russ said, uh, you're doing that to people. <laughs> it was hard for me to hear that, but it was good for me to hear that, right? And I had offended several people and Russ uh, humbly and gently encouraged me to, to ask those people's forgiveness, even though I didn't even know that I was hurting them, you know, and to learn how to trust God to make me more gentle in leadership. So when somebody challenges the weak side of your gift, 
be receptive and be humble and try to grow, okay? But also, if you're not sure about your gifts, that's oftentimes a way to figure out where you're gifted is look where you're weak and then look at the opposite of that. It might be a, an indicator for you. Okay, so we can't stop with just knowing those gifts, right? But we got to develop them, okay? So 1 Timothy 4.14 again says, don't neglect them. And then the next verse says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. The point here is be faithful, guys. Be faithful. Be faithful with little for the sake of the little, we like to say. Luke 16.10 says that God's not going to make you faithful with more until you're faithful with little first. So be faithful with the little that you have, and then God will make you faithful with more. It's the same thing as you grow that gift. Just like any investor starts with a little and invests it, and then it multiplies, we need to do the same with our gifts. We start with what God gives us, and we multiply them by being faithful one day at a time. Okay? This is super important. You don't need to wait till some other time to be faithful with what God's given you. Now is the time, here at college. Not later when you get out of college, right? In Matthew 25, we referenced it earlier. I'll just reference again uh, because we don't have much time. Jesus talks about different servants that did different things with the talents that he gave them. And two of those were wise and multiplied those talents. And one was foolish and buried those talents. My encouragement to you is do not bury the talents that God's given you or the gifts he's given you, but multiply them for him. Many Christians bury their talents. We should not do that, okay? So how are the gifts invested? They should be multiplied. In that passage, they're multiplied. We should always seek to multiply, not just add, but multiply. That's what discipleship is all about. What were the results of investing those gifts? The faithful servants were made faithful with more. Remember that? And they got to hear from their master, well done, good and faithful servant. So invest wisely, guys. A good investor invests wisely in the right stocks at the right time, right? We need to invest in the right eternal stock, and that's people. Right? They're the only things that are going to last forever, so we should be investing in the right places and the right things. And that's people, right? 1 Corinthians 3 talks about that. Paul talks about how each one of us can build a foundation and we can build with gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble, right? I want to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. All right, your reward is worth it. <laughs> Someday we're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, so here's the contrast. Spoiled kids versus faithful servants. I don't want to be looking at the gifts, making them a bigger deal than Scripture makes them, exalting them over the gift giver, being a spoiled kid in effect. I want to be a faithful servant that humbly uses what God gives me for his purposes, right? Spoiled kids get proud about their gifts. They brag about them. They neglect to cultivate them and invest them. They bury their talents. Faithful servants humbly use all that God gives them for his purposes, right? So how do you grow them? First, be filled and walking in his spirit, right? Uh, this is important. Romans 12, 6 through 8 gives us four keys for growing our gifts, Okay. Four big keys. Are you ready? First of all, it says in Romans 12, 6 through 8, grow them by using them in proportion to your faith. Okay? So a lot of you, let's say your gift is evangelism, right? Well, you have a faith capacity. If you've never shared your faith with one person, you should start by sharing your faith with one person. <laughs> okay? If you got put in front of a stadium with 70,000 people, you might flip out, right? So uh, grow your gift in proportion to your faith, right? 
Second, grow your gift by administering it generously. Okay? So use it for God's glory generously. Third, grow your gift by administering it diligently. So many times people are not diligent with the gifts that God gives them. Grow them, get this, this is important, by administering them cheerfully. Okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 puts it like this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Be cheerful as you grow those gifts and invest them, right? And grow them within the order of God's word in his body. If it's not in the bounds of God's word, it's not from him. And if it's not in the context of love and unity in the body, then it's not inspired by him. His body is everything. His word is everything, right? The Holy Spirit produces self-control. Use it with your gifts in line with his word. Don't forget the body of Christ and your purpose as his child. And finally, this is important, I want to encourage you to bloom where you're planted, right? Bloom where you're planted. Just right now, start using the gifts that God has made you to be the leader that God has called you to be. It's going to get tough. I promise you it will get tough. But do your best, right, to humbly use everything that God gives you for his glory and accomplish his purposes. That's really, really, really the main deal. Okay, that's the main... The main thing I wanted to share on the gifts, and we could, man, that was like the ultra quick version. If you want to talk more about it, come talk to me, because we could talk for hours and hours and hours on that. Now, you don't get to turn your page. No, 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 Ashley, we're going to do that real quick. Oh, yes, there's more today. We're going to get out in 20 minutes at 5.15. But I wanted to um, just share a couple things about this survey, okay? I wrote this on the back. So don't read the back yet. Just trust me that I'm not making this up. Because I don't want you to see the gifts and get, um, get preconditioned to pick certain things on the test. Okay, we're going to separate them so you can't see them when you're doing them. Thank you, Brandon, for helping out with this. I edited it a little bit, okay, uh, as a result of Brandon being the guinea pig and a few others. Aaron, my beautiful wife, was also a guinea pig. So, well, not really, but for this. Okay, no, this is just a survey, right? These results are not conclusive. Your gifts will become more apparent the longer you follow and serve God. This is meant to give you a little perspective on how God has wired you, but it is by no means the final description of who God made you to be. Did you get that? This is just a little tool. It's not a big deal. But hopefully it will help you kind of see how God's made you to be. It's not everything, right? It is just a tool, and we hope it helps. The ten gifts that we've included, this is important, in this list are the major <coughs> gifts listed in Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, and Ephesians 4, through 11, uh, 4 verse 11. They're the major 10 that are there. There are gifts that are listed outside of these 10 in those passages, and they're not included in the survey. Those gifts would be ones that are historically not certain, maybe gifts that nobody really knows what that is for certain. Scripture doesn't clearly define that. Scripture doesn't tell you clearly what a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom is necessarily, right? And so it would be okay for you to say, I believe it's this, but somebody else might disagree with you on that. So if it's not clearly defined in Scripture, we're not going to put it in here because it's going to, you know, everybody's going to come from different perspectives on it. 
There are other gifts, too, that have uh, been kind of seen as controversial, and different perspectives have divided the body, like tongues. So those aren't in the survey either, those gifts that traditionally have resulted in a lot of division. Again, the gift is not causing the division, because God doesn't cause anything that causes division. But it's people's perspective on those things. Um, those gifts, though, interestingly, all fit into these, too. Okay? And here, here's an example. In Scripture, the predominant result of tongues is what? You guys remember? What happened on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 new believers. 3,000 new believers, right? 1 Corinthians 14 corroborates that and says, talking about the church, tongues are not for the believer but for the unbeliever, right? So that when they come in and see, they'll, they'll come to Christ. So you could even uh, consider some of the gifts that aren't listed here as falling under the domain, maybe, of many of the gifts that are here. Like, you could put that one under evangelism, per se. Uh, you could put other ones in here as well, right? They would fall into other different gifts here. So these are like the big ten. And the certain ones that aren't in here, <clears throat> I think also it would be hard to come up with a survey to pinpoint it, you know? Like <laughs> for tongues, for example, or prophets. No, well, prophecy is here, and I'll explain that in a minute word of knowledge. be hard to come up with the right questions to figure out those things. Prophecy is the one in here that has traditionally been controversial in some areas, and we put it under here with the main biblical perspective, which is encouraging believers to come back to God's word. Okay? So that's kind of the definition that uh, we're hoping does not divide anybody. Okay? We're hoping that everybody can agree that is definitely the major emphasis of that gift. Now, if somebody believes that there's more to it, that's fine. That's between you and God. But that's the only one in this list of ten that, uh, that could potentially be divisive. Okay, so going on. So I wrote, we have not listed the gifts that are not clearly described in Scripture, debatable, or have traditionally caused division in the body of Christ, with the exception of prophecy. And we have included this gift with its widely accepted definition and predominant biblical usage here. It should also be noted that there are more gifts not listed in those three pas uh, passages. Example, hospitality, Romans 12, 13. Singleness, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. And all good gifts come from God. So this is not exhaustive. This is not everything. We hope God gives you wisdom about the other gifts he gives you. And I know that there will be more than these ten. Okay, You're each going to have more gifts than what's on this list. And that's great. I hope God gives you lots of wisdom about that. We encourage you to go only to God's word as you seek to better understand the gifts in the various ways in which he has gifted you. Jesus is the example of all the gifts, and only he has them all. You are unique. We hope this helps. Remember, it's just a tool, and our greatest hope is that you use your gifts for him and his great commission. Any big questions? That was a lot. And I feel like the danger is that we went over it so fast that I'm leaving you guys like hanging on a whole lot of different things. Seriously, um, come talk to me, Stephanie, Aaron, any of us if you have more questions on the gifts. We'd love to talk more. What we wanted to do today is just give a general big picture outline and then do this survey in a way that would hopefully help you kind of see some of the areas that God has gifted you, okay? So I'm going to read through this, and you get to do some math. All right, we can do this in 15 minutes, maybe, 90 questions. I shortened it, Brandon. <laughs> I took some of the gifts out, like hospitality, because it's not technically listed as a gift anywhere, and, uh, and helps, same thing. But anyway, and kind of combined helps into serving. And then we uh, have faith, which is in those lists, which was not in the other survey that you guinea-pigged for me. So uh, we're down to 90 questions. Okay, 
So you're going to write the number that first comes to your mind in the box that you see. Sound good? I'm going to say the question and the number. You just look at that number and write the number that first comes to your mind between 1 and 5. 1 being low, 5 being high. If you really agree with the statement, put a 5. If you're in the middle, put a 3. If you're pretty sure, put a 4. If you're not too sure, put a 2. And if you think that is not me, put a 1. <laughs> I'm not going to have you put a 0 because none of you are Hitler. <laughs> and even he couldn't have put a 0 on all of them. Seriously, guys. Even he was made in God's image. He had a lot of love for his girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, even he exhibited love in different areas, exhibited kindness in different areas. He was probably the biggest monster that's ever walked this planet. But at the same time, guys, none of you are a zero on anything. Okay, does that make sense? So I'm not going to put a zero in the survey. Some surveys do. Okay, number one, I make decisions quickly and rarely second-guess them. First question. I'm going to go fast, so I'm not going to repeat them. I am an outgoing person. Two, I am an outgoing person and always making new friends. Three, I am the person people come to with their problems. Four, I recognize needs as soon as I see them. Five, I like doing things for people that are sick or need my help. Six, I want what I say and do to inspire others to obey God better. Seven, I often do jobs that don't get noticed, and I'm okay with that. Eight, I usually put others' needs above my own. Nine, I am good at making scripture understandable to others. Ten, I rarely struggle with doubt. Eleven, I am organized, diligent, take the initiative, and will stop at nothing. Twelve, I am intentional about trying to share my faith. Thirteen, and I'll put on here, don't put what you want to be. Put what you really think about yourself. Nobody's going to see the paper. One of the guys last year in our guys' Bible study said, I'm insecure with writing down on the paper. <laughs> but something else. We might all be there, so just put what's true. Okay, that was, was that thirteen? Okay, I'm about to say thirteen. Okay, thirteen, I naturally see other strengths, abilities, and talents. Fourteen, I know that all I have comes from God and want to be wise with his resources. Fifteen, I go the extra mile for people that have special needs. Sixteen, I can't stand hearing people speak or teach scripture incorrectly. That, my critical attitude comes out there. Man, when somebody misquotes something from the pulpit, I just about spontaneously combust in my chair. I mean, I want to get up and yell in front of the whole church. You screwed it up! <laughs> but anyway, pray that I would never do that. Uh, 17, right? I enjoy using the talents God has given me to help others. 18, I love helping groups of people grow into a close-knit community. 19, I am excited for opportunities to share what I learn with others. 20, I am optimistic, not pessimistic. 21, I can lead groups at whatever level they're at. 22, I like inviting my non-Christian friends to church and other Christian events. 23, I have to be there for others when they are going through hard times.
24, I am good at budgeting my money and give on a regular basis. 25, I often pray for the needs of people around me. 26, I have very strong convictions about problems in society and government. 27, I like hands-on projects. 28, I could see myself spending many years with the same group helping them grow. 29, I spend a lot of time studying the Bible in depth. 30, I live my life expecting God to pull amazing things off in and through me. 31, I like coming up with plans to help groups catch the vision and move to accomplish it. 32, I am passionate about helping others work through the barriers they have to putting their trust in Christ. 33, I share motivational scripture more often than deep theological truths. Did you get that? It's a little confusing. More interested in just sharing something that will lift somebody up than some deep spiritual truth. 34, I want the money I give to be used effectively. 35, I seem to be a magnet for people that are either needy or depressed or excited and overjoyed. So you attract kind of people on emotional extremes. 36, I feel the need to walk... I feel the need to talk to friends when I see sin or hypocrisy in their lives. 37, I would rather do what someone else asks me to than be the one deciding who does what. 38, I feel a strong need to protect people I am leading. 39, I feel constrained when I have to teach from someone else's notes and would rather prepare my own. Number 40, I am always excited about taking risks that might scare others. 41, I can see how each person can contribute to the team and its goals. 42, I enjoy meeting new people. We're totally going to make it. 43, I like affirming others and helping them see how valuable they are. 44, I am quick to give when I hear of a need someone has. 45, I often do things for people that probably couldn't return the favor. 46, I am passionate about knowing, speaking, and challenging others towards truth. 47, I am a task-oriented person. 48, I think relationships are more important than events and things that need to be done. 49, I sometimes have a hard time being relatable to those that aren't at my level. 50, I'm not afraid to raise money for missions, trips, or projects. 51, I can motivate others to accomplish goals. 52, I can be critical of Christians that don't share their faith. 53, I often have meaningful and deep conversations with many different friends. 54, I feel spread thin at times because I am giving so much of myself away. 
55, if a friend is going through a hard time, I do everything I can to encourage them. 56, it can be hard for me to see the good in other people or groups. 57, I am a jack of all trades. I can do a little bit of everything. 58, I like helping groups of people grow over time in a structured environment. 59, I often hear back from people that they have learned from what I have shared. 60, I can't stand when other believers minimize God's ability in their own lives. 61, I am always thinking of new ideas, strategies, and how to make things work. 62, I enjoy spending time with people that don't know Christ and look for opportunities to share with them. 63, I often share advice with others. 64, I feel hurt when people don't recognize my contribution or thank me for my gifts. 65, I try to avoid conflict. 66, I can be very critical of people or groups that aren't on track. 67, I sometimes feel like people use me. 68, I can get so focused on my group that I forget about those outside. 69, I have an insatiable appetite for learning. 70, I find it easy to trust God no matter what situations I am going through. 71, I can come across as overbearing and uncaring. 72, I find myself talking about Jesus in most of my conversations. 73, I can't stand it when others are negative or critical. 74, I am okay with having less so that I can give more. 75, I feel overwhelmed when I hear of catastrophes and injustice. 76, I like to challenge groups of believers about sensitive issues. 77, I feel a sense of duty when asked to do various jobs that need to be done. Bless you. 78, I am a patient person. 79, I feel very strong and confident in my grasp of the Bible. Number 80, I spend a lot of time praying. 81, I am often asked to lead. 82, I am interested in finding new ways to convey the gospel. 83, I feel all biblical teaching should be practical and applicable to daily life. 84, I enjoy giving money, possessions, time, and and whatever other resources I can. 85, I make time to visit people that are sick or going through hard times. 86, I want people to be convicted and repentant after listening to me speak. 87, I serve as soon as I see or hear of a need, regardless of what it is. 88, I love helping others take steps they need to take. 89, I love to read. And 90, the last one, I rarely worry. I rarely worry.
All right, so you guys got it? Sweet. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to add down the column, and you can use your cell phone if it has a calculator, if you need to. This is not a math class. And put the total in the box at the bottom. Just a note, if you screw up your math at this point, you may not figure out the gift God gave you for the rest of your life. Just kidding. <laughs> You'll be fine. The Holy Spirit is bigger than your math inadequacy. to see what everybody's gifted with. I'll give you the survey. It's a new one. Didn't you do a demo one last week? Yeah, we tossed that one out. You guys don't even know what those numbers are adding up to. Just so you know, we were supposed to end three minutes ago, so we're close to being on track. While you guys are finishing, I want to encourage you strongly once again to invite people to the retreat. trying to, you're just almost like Jesus. <laughs> you're halfway to Jesus. Well, not really. You're not really halfway to Jesus. <laughs> okay, in that regard, you could be. <laughs> yeah. I think, too, as you continue using those, um, and, and just being obedient to, to God in every area of your life, that'll get clear, you know, and you'll learn about yourself and figure. When I was your age and did this survey, uh, some of the gifts that came out strongest are really weak ones and gifts that were really strengths really weak at that time. Because, like, take leadership, for example. I had never had an opportunity to really lead. You know, I'd led a Bible study or two, but, I mean, that was about it. And so I didn't know. Um, but as I continued serving God, I, I found certain things out. Um, so com you'll have to compare them and tell us what you think. Okay, once you're done, you can look to the back side, too, and see uh, what they are there. 
Or, if you want, I can read them off, just so you don't have to be going back and forth. Would that be better? Okay, A. Are you guys all done? No? Okay, we'll wait. Amanda. Well, Amanda, you, of course, you, you just started. There are some math quizzes in here that you guys could work on if you're busy. I mean, not busy. Oh, I hope this helps you guys. I just hope it, it gives you a little bit of encouragement about what God's doing in your life. Remember, it's just a tool. It might be way off. <laughs> or it could be close to being on track. For each of the gifts on the back, we put a, a biblical example of that gift. And obviously, Jesus is the example of all those gifts, right? He is the main example. But it could be interesting for you to find your main gifts and then look at some of those different biblical examples, realizing, too, that they aren't perfect. Maybe see if some of their weaknesses are some of your weaknesses. You never know. Jeremiah was pretty depressed. (laughs) I guess it'd be easy, right? Always seeing the bad and wanting God to come through big. All right. Nikki, I'll start. Should I should I say what they are out, or you guys got that covered? You guys all. Okay, so we put A is leadership, leading by organizing people, groups, and events, and setting the vision, direction, and course for a group. Good biblical example is Moses, right? Uh, B is evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus' gift of salvation with those who don't yet have a relationship with him. Biblical example, the Apostle Paul. C is encouragement. Encouraging, supporting, and building up other believers by affirming them in any way possible. Good biblical example is Mordecai, right, who was encouraging Esther to walk in the role that God had given her, right, in her purpose. D is giving, giving your time, talent, and resources to help others. Biblical example, Barnabas. Mercy, showing compassion, sympathy, and love for others. Biblical example, Boaz. A cool name. I know a Boaz. Yes, and tell you right. No, it's not Boaz. Anyway, I wish. Maybe I'll name my first son Boaz. Pretty cool. Uh, F is prophecy, boldly sharing the truth with other believers and challenging them to live lives of obedience to God. Biblical example, Jeremiah, saying, believers, please come follow God. G is serving, doing whatever needs to be done to help the team reach the goal and make others' lives easier. Biblical example, Ruth. H, pastoring, overseeing a group of believers over time, helping them grow as the body of Christ. Biblical example, Peter. (coughs) I is teaching, learning, and sharing the truth of God's word. Biblical example, Nehemiah, right after after the wall was built. And then J is faith, trusting God for more than most are willing to trust him for. And living life with that type of perspective. Biblical example, Elijah. All right. I want to hear some results here. Nikki. Okay, well, the first one, like my biggest one was leadership. Then I had five that were the same, but like my own personal knowledge. I can like... What, what would you think are the next two? Um, probably... Um, Okay. Brandon, sure. Two, three, four, ten. Cool. 
Those are coming up for you a lot, yeah? And what's the third? Um, leadership. Cool. Okay, Chris. I'm still holding up. Okay, cool. Um, Ashley. I had encouragement. That is right on the money for you, I think. I could be wrong. but Okay, what else? Mercy. Mercy. And then pastoring. Cool. Okay, just a note, too. Um, people are going to say that, and this is weird, I don't want to step in on any denominational toes with this either, but, you know, some denominations will say, like, women can't be pastors. And when, when you say that, and this is interesting, <coughs> and I want to clarify this, um, first of all, that there's no verse in Scripture that says that, quote-unquote. In First Timothy 2, it talks about women exercising authority over a man, and that's kind of where people are getting that. Um, second of all, Ephesians 4, that is one of those passages about the gifts, that's the only place in the Bible that the word pastor is used. Right? It's one time in Ephesians 4, 11. So there's even debate about what that is. But the word is to shepherd, like you're shepherding a flock. And so I think... Um, I wouldn't say, well, oh my gosh, I'm a woman. How did I come up with that gift of pastoring? I think God has wired you to oversee some different groups and help them grow together. You're so good at that. When you guys do women's events, you are making all the girls feel really, I think you do a good job of making them all feel really good. And you do that with the rest of our group. You make people feel like they fit in. It's part of your encouraging gift. So those are some neat aspects of that gift that are coming out there. Uh, My personal opinion is on women not exercising that kind of authority over a man. I think it's, God wants to protect women from, like, church discipline issues, like having to get on somebody's bad side. <laughs> he wants the guy to be the one that takes the brunt of that, and not you. Does that make sense? Yes. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a genuine gift for you, if that makes sense. Just trying to make sure you don't think like that we're gifted that way. Okay. Um, okay, Heather, what about you? Cameron. Um, my first one was faith and then serving. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, serving was an eye opener for me. Is it? I don't think I serve that much. Yeah. Well, you might. Keep serving. See what happens. Okay, and keep doing everything else. <laughs> uh, Dakota. Uh, faith, evangelism, pastoring, and teaching. Cameron, you came up with some leadership one last time we did it, I thought. Is that on there too, on this one? Okay, I was just wanting to double check, since this is the first time we've used this one. Okay, Megan. And then what in giving? Mercy, evangelism, faith, is that what you said? Okay, Jack. Pastoring, serving, teaching, leadership. Where's faith, Jack, for you? No, it's fine. Because you, I know you've scored high on that before, huh? <coughs> okay, Stephanie. Um, giving and then prophecy and encouragement were tied in Cool, and then what about before uh, you started to Okay, Chris. 
Okay. And then for my last two were type. So the third was serving and pastoring. And the fourth was encouragement and giving. Okay, again, this is just a tool. <laughs> Oh, it's, do not take it like it's truth, okay? It could have got you dead wrong, you know? So this is just a tool. I hope it helps you kind of like get a picture. If, if you're like Nikki and already kind of had a good idea, that's great. If it confirms that, sweet. If not, maybe it's just a fluke. Or maybe it's going to help you um, expand your horizons a little bit and see a little bit more of how God's gifted you. No matter what, though, guys, what's the big context of the gifts? Unity and love, and then the purpose, serving God and accomplishing his great commission. All right, let's pray and close it out. Oh, we went 15 minutes late. That's what happens when you do math. It just messes everything up. Okay. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that you alone are our example of perfection and that you have exhibited all these things, God. We thank you, too, that you choose to use us even as weak and sinful as we are, and that you choose to give us good gifts that come straight from you. God, I thank you that you've given us each unique abilities, talents, and gifts, and you've made us each unique parts of your body so that together, when we're each contributing, God, that we can be the team you've called us to be. God, I pray that we would be that team this week. I pray that we would be that team tomorrow night at Connect. I pray that we'd be that team at the retreat. God, make us really reflect you. God, I pray that students at the retreat this weekend would see you and us more than ever before. We just love you, Jesus, and we put all this in your hands. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week.